2: You tough blog. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnatta with you guys as always, and today joined by my recruiting co-host, Zach Hubbard. We are here to uh, recap the commitment of 2022 five-star offensive tackle, Zach Rice. He commits to Carolina over Virginia, Notre Dame, and others. We will talk about that in depth coming up here and then take a look at where carolina is going in the 2022 class from here but first of all zach it's been a little bit since we've had you on so uh how's everything been going for you my man
0: Everything's been going well. Like you mentioned, it has been a while since we've seen a commitment, but this is one that we've been looking forward to for a good while, and here's the day we've finally been waiting
2: on. Yeah, it definitely took a while, uh, but this is one that y- you could feel was, was sort of getting ready to come to an end um, here pretty soon. Uh, he you know, was starting to do a lot more interviews than he had been doing in the past. Of course, he took uh, the majority of his official visits over the summer, and now it would probably appear that he will take his official visit to Carolina, which he had not taken yet. He will probably take that now that he is committed. Um, But this one, I don't know about for you, Zach, but for me, this one definitely came as a little bit of a shock. I knew that he was pretty much going back and forth between Carolina and Virginia. I think some people thought there was a slight chance that Notre Dame may have made a late push to sneak themselves into the conversation as as well but most people felt like this was going to come down to the South's oldest rivalry and in the end Carolina with a little bit of an upset here. I think most people really thought with the fact that the commitment date was on the birthday of the Virginia Cavaliers offensive line coach, uh, most people thought this was going to go the way of the Cavaliers, but uh, this one ends up going the direction uh, of the Tar Heels. And uh, for the first time in a while, I think it's a pleasant surprise in in what has not been the uh, greatest year on the field for the Tar Heels.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and as you mentioned, sort of why this was a shock is I think that when you look at, you know, everything leading up to this announcement, it really was sort of a, a photo finish, as you will. It was really a recruitment in which they kept the information as quiet as possible so as not to, you know, reveal it to one stack or the other. Really, till, you know, seemingly right before this announcement, um, it, it was one in which we didn't see a lot of um, future cast or crystal balls from the major recruiting services, that was somewhat intentional, that was at the wishes of Zach to not reveal his selection before um, he made it publicly. But this was one that went back and forth, this was one where, of course we discussed uh, Virginia was the sort of hometown team, lived near Virginia, mom grew up near Virginia, I believe his grandfather went to Virginia um, and had great relationships there, has a teammate going there. Um, so there was a lot of connections to UVA, but then you have, of course, North Carolina as this program that is still sort of climbing the slope, um, even though somewhat of a, of, a, of a plateau here in 2021, still climbing that slope, still recruiting at a you know high level, specifically not only in North Carolina, but in Virginia. Um, And really building those relationships um, in the state of Virginia and and getting these elite guys, getting these blue chip talents from the state. So, you know, it it was hotly contested. It was one in which it it seemed like neither staff really felt confident one way or the other, uh, which is always a weird perspective uh, with recruiters. Nowadays, generally, you know, you've got a good idea going into announcement of where a guy's going to decide and... You know, in this one, it was different, and that did add a little bit of excitement uh, to it, a little bit of nervousness as well. But you know, North Carolina pulled it out at the end uh, to add
2: arguably their top target. Uh, next to Travis Shaw in the 2022 class. Yeah, and I mean, look, we went back and forth on those two, and uh, I definitely think that that there is, you know, an argument to be made for either guy there. But uh, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, this is this is kind of an unprecedented recruitment uh, in terms of when it came down to the end. You head into commitment commitment day, not knowing uh, where he's going to go. There were some people that were uh, basically casting their own crystal balls. I mean, we saw three crystal balls cast uh, in total on rivals but two of those were back in September and it really felt like uh, uh, you know with everything that was being said from rice basically saying he didn't want to be crystal balled that most people were really just guessing um, and you saw that there were multiple people that uh, were guessing one way or another and it, it was uh, it was it was kind of interesting I, I mean yeah as you mentioned there was definitely a little nerves there but I think it was also kind of exciting in the fact that you know we don't see many recruitments like this now this used to be how it always was you would tune in to national signing day and you would watch these guys they'd have the multiple hats on the table you had no clue where they were going now especially with social media everything is pretty much known ahead of time uh, every guy's decision is pretty much locked up in stone you know where it is most of it is just for decoration but uh, this one was was a lot different Different, uh, and it, it was uh, definitely a lot of fun. Um, and, and for Carolina, this is—you can't overstate how big this is for the Tar Heels. Look, Travis Shaw was a huge pickup for Carolina in this class because, as we mentioned, you know, not only is it on the defensive line, which is an area where uh, you've got to be able to, you know, have these sort of superstar players if you want to become one of those teams that is going to compete for conference titles and. Potentially be on the outside looking in at the college football playoff. Um, I, you know, th- you definitely need those types of guys there, but this is another group position group where you need those types of guys, which is on the offensive line. And Carolina gets the job done here, uh, holding off Virginia and, and picking up a guy that I think is going to probably be able to come in and make a a pretty immediate impact. And Carolina really needs it because this offensive line this season has not been good by any stretch. And you can see that there really is just a lack of talent there, a lack of talent and a lack of development. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is we're going to have to see, is this, you know, is this a guy that they can develop as well? He definitely has the talent coming in, but is this a guy that they can develop into one of the top offensive linemen in the ACC, and potentially keep him as one of the top offensive linemen in the country when it comes to this class, and eventually, whenever he gets drafted, there's a lot of flexibility here with him that he provides to you. So, this is a guy. I mean, I, I, I've you know watched him a lot because of how you know focused Carolina has been on him. You know, are, are you with me, Zach? When you know I watch him, it, lo- it looks like a guy that can come in and make a- an impact next season season for Carolina
0: yeah absolutely and I think that sort of connects to the point that you mentioned uh when you look at the 2021 version of the Tar Heels and what they put out on the field on the offensive line has been somewhat of a menace uh the performance of the offensive line which does contain you know quite a number of returning starts along that line uh, sort of been rotational, specifically at the center position, uh, and it's gotten Sam Howell hit a ton, uh, which has been a factor throughout his college career. So the offensive line, really, in terms of what's on the team right now, it is an area that we looked at as you know, probably the biggest area of concern leading into the season, and that has been confirmed by the play on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at sort of the makeup of it, just from not only a perspective of where that unit is, but just the room as a whole, um, a lot of these guys that you're seeing playing on this offensive line are either guys that were on the team, twin mech, um, became the head coach or, you know, guys in those first couple of recruiting classes. We're really not yet seeing the you know, the recruiting footprint as specifically at the offensive line position really make its presence felt yet. Uh, so, so yes, I do think that Zach Rice could come in and have an early impact. Um, do I think that he's going to start day one? I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say with freshmen, even five-star freshmen, really anywhere in the country it's hard to say that someone's gonna come in and they're going to, you know, pick up the playbook that quickly, that they're going to um, be ready for college strength and conditioning, college schedule, all of those things that go into being a college athlete, it's just different than the high school level, regardless if you have no stars or five stars next to your name, so I'm not gonna predict that, but uh, really when you look at, this unit, and and what the game of football is all about. Uh, You know, when you break down football to its very, very core essence, it's about two things. It's about blocking and tackling. Zach Rice provides blocking. That's what North Carolina has been needing on that offensive line uh, or on that offense as a whole is blocking. He can provide that, at least from a talent perspective. Maybe not, you know, from a a skill perspective quite yet. We can't say until we see him Actually, in a college game in a college uniform, uh, but he does provide that talent. If you have not seen development, if you've not seen performance from your unit, really one of the number one things that you could do to add that boost is just to add talent, to add athleticism. That's true in almost every position. If you just go out there and get guys that would at least give you. Um, Can't say their ceiling as of yet but you can speak to their floor you can speak to a baseline you know athletic profile and that's not to say necessarily that you know just because he has five stars next to his name that he's automatically you know an elite player or elite prospect like we said we don't know until we see him in the college in the college uniform but really the, the tried and true way to improve your position room is simply to recruit talent and yet again Macron and this staff show they are putting in the time, they're putting in the work in North Carolina and Virginia to really bring in that talent to raise the profile of this program. And I think even with where we've seen not only this unit, but you know, 2021 as a season so far for North Carolina, this is still a team and a program on the up just based on the way that they've been able to recruit these past few years.
2: And this one is huge because you look at the timing of this commitment, this is in the middle of a season that clearly is not going the way that most people thought and that Zach Rice thought. Zach Rice was quoted as saying in the offseason that this was going to be a top 10 team this year most people you know were somewhere in that neighborhood there were some people that were a little bit lower but there were a lot of people that thought this was a 10 and 2 11 and 1 football team and for him to still look at this as the place that as he told um, you know in the interview afterwards as he told CBS Sports HQ this is the place that he feels like is is best for him and is going to get him where he wants to go uh, that that's that's huge. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at him, I I don't think he's probably a day one starter either. But this is a guy that has so much talent to where it would not shock me at all if he is in the 2-D to start the year. And it's going to get to the point where if guys continue to struggle on the offensive line, and look, there's probably going to be a pretty substantial overhaul overhaul of the offensive line uh, at the end of the season. I I would be kind of shocked if you don't see a decent amount of guys end up moving on. A lot of them are seniors as well, so that's going to make the decision a little bit easier but I definitely think there will be some moving parts on that offensive line. And even if a lot of those guys do return, I think Zach Rice is a guy that has enough talent. He's going to be in there in January. He already said that tonight, that he's going to go in and make it to where he, he will push some of these guys to the point where if they're struggling early on next year, you will see this guy play reps. They will not keep him off the field if he can prove that the talent level is there. And, I I mean, I think it's going to be hard for him not to prove that. I mean, first of all, you look at his size. He's 6'6", 282. He's he's a little bit light in terms of the weight, probably, with where Carolina wants to be. But I I, I still think there's just way too many attributes there. Um, He is about as powerful as it gets in the upper body. He has extremely powerful hands. Um, He, you know, just... Overall, the upper body strength just looks tremendous, and he combines that with really good lower body strength. It allows him to drive defensive linemen down the field and, in certain cases, drive them into the ground. He, last year, in eight games, had 115 pancake blocks in those games. I mean, those numbers are unheard of. Now, the level of competition isn't phenomenal, but those are still just outlandish numbers for an eight-game season. So you're talking about one of the elite offensive tackles in this class. Definitely a better run blocker than he is a pass protector. That's most high school offensive linemen because most of the systems are not pass heavy. But He's a guy that... Doesn't look as if he's going to get beat by some of these quicker defensive ends. He's very athletic, played basketball. That's something that we've seen Carolina sort of value in some of their offensive linemen over the last couple of years. Remember Eli Sutton, another guy that played basketball, so a lot of athleticism to him at the tackle spot. This is very similar. This is a guy that is is not going to be afraid to go up against some of these quicker pass rushers because he has solid footwork. He has the really good lateral movement that's what's going to allow him to have success and, and I definitely think that Carolina fans should be extremely excited by you know I I said this last year when we were talking about Javari Ritzy and you're seeing a little bit of it early on uh, with him 24-7 sports comparison for Javari Ritzy was Jeffrey Simmons who is a guy that currently plays for the Tennessee Titans at the NFL level played at Mississippi State I thought that was an, a, you know something that should really excite fans, it excited me for sure. This this year, very similar. Charles Powers, who is one of the guys that sort of scouts guys out for 24-7 sports, he compared him to a guy that you know very well, Zach, and I'd like to hear how you think he compares to him. He compared him to Jedrick Wills, who came out of Alabama a couple years ago. That's a guy that Carolina fans should be very, very excited about because Jedrick Wills, uh, as many people probably know, was a first-round talent uh, that was picked uh, in, in the first round of the NFL draft just a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I do think that's a pretty fair comparison when you look at sort of the body style of Zach Rice as compared to Grills. Rills. Uh, both guys, they're about 6'6", 6'7", uh, a little bit on the lighter side coming out of high school, like you mentioned, but in terms of their weights, uh, the comparison I see specifically, and in, uh, in terms of body composition, is that their weight is pretty equally distributed throughout their frame. So it's not just you know big hips or a, or a big gut or anything like that. It's all the way down the body. So it's almost like um, people like to say like a fridge shape uh, of body, and and that really allows um, you know some flexibility in how you play them. Um, athletic profile for both guys uh, does allow them to play left tackle. Um, Jedrick primarily played right tackle in college. If you go look, uh, I know you mentioned you watched some of Zach's film, I've watched a little bit as well, and you can see sort of some reps where he's playing left tackle, but also where he's playing right tackle. Uh, So I, I think with that in particular just that ability to be sort of flexible um, on that offensive line not even in terms of if he is a you know year one starter, but there's also you know Potential with the position that he ends up playing whether that be left or right tackle um, He gives them some flexibility there mm-hmm. um, So I, I think when you look at a, another guy just who's gonna be in the mix at offensive line moving forward of course uh, in Joshua Zudu um, He's a guy that throughout his Tar Heel career. He's been sort of moved around um, that's generally been based on injuries, unfortunately, but he's a guy that, you know, has been flexible to move to different spots. Not saying Zach is necessarily going to be that, but just his ability to not be locked into one specific position, mm-hmm. I think that allows you to get your best five guys out there in the offensive line rotation whenever he does potentially play. And, and I think that's a benefit. Um, that you're able to you know have that flexibility that you're able to move guys around in case of injury and you know In your ideal starting five you get your five best guys up, out there I, I think that's really going to behoove North Carolina moving forward and I think that that's, that's sort of you know if you want to look for
2: paths for offensive line improvement uh, being able to have more options there to really, you know, play the guys that you want to play instead of just playing the guys that you have to play, uh, sort of make a distinction there. I think that that can be an advantage for the Tar moving forward. Yeah, he's a guy that could probably play inside a guard as well with uh, some of the attributes that he has, the physical the physicality that he plays with. Um, and that, I think, is an element that, as you said, should excite people a lot is the flexibility, the position versatility that he brings because that allows you to try to find a way to get him on the field and, and there's multiple ways to do it, and I, I definitely think that you know if we see him as a freshman, I think there's a pretty solid chance that it could be at guard, um, and that's an area that we've seen before. Teams have put guys at guard and eventually can move them out to tackle, um, and and that's what is so exciting about him is that there's so many possibilities of where he could play uh, at Carolina, and I mean as you mentioned. Uh, it feels like at this point you know there are guys that Carolina is is, is playing because they have to um, and you know he's a guy that I think can come in and, and, and sort of help that and there'll be some other guys that are going to continue to grow that were a part of these last couple of classes that will you know be able to fill some of those roles over the next uh, couple of years and um, you know potentially get some of these guys that are struggling out of those major starting roles and r- put them in reserve roles that's the point that you're hoping to get to. And this is a, a, a commitment that allows you to get a little bit closer to that. Um, you know, again, one of the other things that you got to talk about with this commitment, Zach, is that this just continues Carolina's pursuit of basically taking over the state of Virginia in terms of their top prospects. Carolina now has four of the top six players in the state of Virginia committed. Uh, to their class. And again, that fifth guy is a guy that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit that Carolina is going to be focusing on coming up. You cannot overstate the job that Dre Bly has done in the state of Virginia, along with Mack Brown and the rest of the staff, but Dre Bly has been the man that has head-manned a lot of this stuff, and it just continues to show, even with Carolina maybe not living up to the expectations that they had for this 2021 season. Absolutely. I think, like you mentioned,
0: you really have to look at what Dre Bly has done for this team, as being really just a focal point within the state of Virginia, and just how these things have built on one another throughout recruiting classes. I mean, you you look at these guys in Virginia that you've gotten. You know, do you get a, Shosh, a Tyson Chapman or a Teon Holloway if you don't get a Tony Grimes uh, this few years before? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you get you know George Pettway if you don't get guys like Amari Hampton or? Chapman and Holloway, like we mentioned, and then do you get Zach Rice you don't get George Petway? So these things all sort of compound because of the peer recruiting element because a lot of these guys in Virginia, in the Tidewater area, but all over the state, know each other. They're in, you know, 7-on-7 leagues. They are playing each other's schools throughout the seasons. So, and and social media as well is a factor here in terms of these guys knowing each other. So, peer recruiting um, in the modern recruiting era is a huge component. And I, I think that's been really, really important here. Obviously, Dre Bly sort of having his name there, but he gets guys on board, and then they help get other guys on board. It's sort of this recurring process that we see throughout North Carolina's recruiting strategy, specifically in Virginia. Uh, I, I think that that's going to carry over into 2023 as well. I think that you know, as we see more and more of these offers go out, you're going to see more offers in the state of Virginia, more likely than not, just based on past history and past recruiting focuses, and Dre Bly and other Tar Heel uh, commitments, players from the state, they're gonna play a factor there. But, uh, sorta of as you mentioned, uh, we'll you know, move to shortly, there is one in that um, you know, top group remaining, uh, really one of the top Tar Heel recruits remaining, if not the primary name, uh, and that's of course four star wide receiver Andre Green Jr out of the Richmond area. Uh, Tar Heels Tar- 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 have obviously been recruiting him for a while, yeah. uh, competing against schools like Clemson in Georgia, and you know these guys that they have now, that's just, Zach specifically,
2: is just another recruiter in their arsenal as they sort of, turn their focus to Andre Green Jr. Yeah, and just real quick, I mean, Rice made sure to mention that in the interview that he did afterwards that the Virginia to Carolina connection was something that played a huge factor in this was he, he said was the top factor in this because he believes that that group is teaming up and they're building something special. And like you said, I mean, these guys have played together, these guys have been to some of these camps together, but remember that this. This is also a very, very weird class. This is a class that didn't get to take on-campus visits until this June. Um, they didn't have the normal camps that they usually have in the offseason, where they see the same guys week in and week out when they're going to all these different camps to try to elevate their recruiting ranking and everything like that. So for these guys to be as closely bonded as they are, it is definitely something special and it shows you something about the state of Virginia with these type of top prospects and the connections that these guys have and I think that's something that as you mentioned Dre Bly and Mac Brown are going to continue to try to build on over the next couple of years. Now you're not seeing a ton of offers early on. I mean there's still a decent amount of offers there but you're not seeing a ton of offers early on in the 23 class there. I think mainly that's because They look at the state of North Carolina this upcoming year, uh, in 2023, and they see just how much talent there is in the state. Um, And look, taking care of your home state is always going to be the first priority for uh, Mac Brown and the Tar Heels. He does not want to lose the home state because, as he said before, when you lose the home state, uh, that's when you start losing elsewhere. So... That's going to be their main focus, but I think the key thing is, is that you want to keep this tidewater area and it really just the state of Virginia overall in a spot where, if you get into another class like this one, which is a pretty historic one for the state of Virginia, you can go in there and do a ton of damage, um, and, and you know. the, The last thing that I wanted to focus on when it came to Rice's commitment is, look, this now moves Carolina into the top 10 in overall recruiting classes in the 2022 class. Carolina now ranked as the number nine recruiting class overall, and this is now the top recruiting class in the ACC. They have overtaken the Clemson Tigers at the top of the ACC. This feels pretty big, Zach, and we've talked about before how winning the battle on the recruiting trail is a huge step to becoming a consistent contender. Right now, I think what this season has shown us is that... We need to focus on Carolina becoming a consistent ACC contender before we really focus on them becoming a national contender or possibly even a playoff contender. But at the same time, I think this is uh, right now, this class is going to go a long way when you couple it with last year's class towards getting them into the conversation to be that team that challenges Clemson in the ACC going forward yeah absolutely and i think when you look at where the Tar Hills are sort of to, to put some you know put some information behind sort of that statement of number nine class will they stay at number nine i probably would not say so just because the number of commitments for this class is going to be lower so you're going to see some
0: other teams that are going to continue to take recruits um and you know probably just have a, a better overall class ranking based on numbers Uh, But you look at where they are right now. They have two composite five-stars committed in the 2022 class. That is the same number as Florida State, LSU, Oklahoma, uh, and Georgia, who has the number one class. But let let me give you some teams that uh, have less five-star prospects currently than UNC. That would be Ohio State, you know, perennial Big Ten contender, Notre Dame, they're often in the playoff, and Clemson um who only has one five star so you know you you look at where they're recruiting uh just based on the number of five stars not necessarily that that is an indication in and of itself but just as a very general frame of where this team is you, you really can't say that they're not recruiting you know, similar, at least at the top end to some of these, you know, national contender type teams. Mm-hmm. Another piece of information that they out there, when you look at where the 2022 player rankings are, um, if you look at the top 10 players in the country, two of those top 10 are at one school and that one school is North Carolina. You have number four, Travis Shaw, and number nine, Zach Rice. No other school can claim two players in the top 10 of the current rankings now will that stand necessarily but again these are just examples to show not only of what north carolina has risen to but really you know the potential that they have as you've stated in terms of the overall program trajectory they, they do have to work on being an acc contender or really a coastal contender you know first and foremost then an acc contender then a national contender You know, it is a baby step process. It's not going to be done all in one season. That's true basically anywhere that you're going to go, unless you're going to, you know, one of these national powerhouses that are regularly competing for national championships and, you know, have that type of infrastructure. Uh, I couldn't really say that North Carolina is there yet, but in terms of building a program, of building an expectation, they're definitely there, and the lifeblood of that for any school any place that you go will tell you the lifeblood of that is recruiting. And in terms of that rock specifically, North Carolina is checking that about as good as we've seen uh, throughout their history. Uh, even so much so that Steve Wilfong at the announcement said today in his 20 years of covering recruiting he did not think that he seen North Carolina recruit better in that time. And, you know, based
2: on what I know of recruiting history, I'd have to agree. And that's saying a lot because there was a time period where Carolina was recruiting with some of the best in the country. Now, of course, that resulted in, you know, what happened with the NCAA being on campus and everything like that under Butch Davis. This looks a lot more sustainable. And I, I, I mean, as you mentioned, I don't even know if there was a time where Carolina got to the point where you had two players inside of the top 10 overall in the recruiting rankings that were committed to the class. You're right. The only reason this class isn't going to be ranked as, I mean, honestly, if you have that type of talent at the top of your class, it's usually probably going to rank inside the top five. Only reason it's not is because this is a smaller class for Carolina. That's the only reason it's not going to rank that high. That's why you need to focus on the average ranking of these guys more than the actual final overall standing in terms of the composite team rankings when it's all said and done but yeah this is I mean this is this is what you got to do recruiting is a big part of building yourself into a contender Um, developing I think is right there alongside of it I think those are the two things that I mean clearly that's that's how you build a program Um, but I think we're first the, the first and foremost you've got to be able to get the talent there to be able to develop the talent. There's no doubt that Carolina's got to do a better job of developing the talent than they've done so far, but it's still early on, and you're talking about back-to-back classes that are going to be inside the top 15. Um, it's actually three straight if you go back to the 19 class uh, or, or the, uh, excuse me, the 20 class with the reclassified Tony Grimes, so... I mean Carolina is is getting there. The talent is there. It's just I think the the, the frustration is how long is it going to take because we don't know how long Mac Brown is going to be here. We've talked about that a lot me and Josh when it's come to this team on the field this season, but it's things like this that really encourage you that this is going to this is still a process that is is going in the right direction people believe in the process and that with the talent that they are bringing in It is impossible for none of these guys to work out. There is no chance that every single one of these guys that are four-star prospects or higher that Carolina has landed will be bust. We've seen some guys already that have proven that that is not the case, that they are living up to their their billing as four- and five-star talents. So you're getting multiple guys in there, and some of them – guaranteed are going to pan out. And that's what should be really exciting for Tar Heel fans. We'll be back to the Heel Tough Vlog podcast after this message from DraftKings. NFL fans hungry for a big win this weekend? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and if they do, you win $200 in free bet. Winner-winner, chicken parm dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Look, they're going to look to add another four-star prospect, another guy that's inside of the top 100, and another guy that's one of the top players in the state of Virginia here uh, over the next few weeks or you know maybe the next couple of months. Um, you know, Of course, look, we're... we're Heading down to inside of two months before uh, the early signing period uh, comes to an end. And you would imagine that Andre Green Jr. is a guy that will end up committing before then. He has taken a visit to uh, Chapel Hill already so far this season. And Carolina still looks to be in a pretty solid spot with him. Uh, you know, th- this has to be, I think, their main focus going forward, Zach. Because as we talked about, the struggles on the offensive line this season are well known, and that's a big, you know, area that they're still needing to add talent. Believe it or not, they have had, you know, pre- I mean, every recruiting class. It seemed like they've done a pretty solid job of recruiting the wide receiver position. But right now, that's a group that, outside of Josh Downs, is really struggling getting an outside receiver, uh, a guy that has the presence to go up and get the football that Andre Green Jr. does would be huge for Carolina in this 22 class. Absolutely. And I think that this is an offense that, you know, throughout its recruiting philosophy, it's consistently looked to add
0: bodies there. It wants to rotate. It wants to play multiple guys outside of the starting three. And, and I think right now, sort of moving through the season, they've been looking for guys to step up, to sort of be complementary pieces to Josh Downs, whether that be, you know, just in a, in a sense of guys, you know, running their routes and getting open, whether it just be from a chemistry issue between wide receivers and quarterback. Um, I, I think that most Tar Heel fans would agree there's really not a lot going on outside of Josh Downs. And they Need to find other options, not only really in this season, but moving forward. They need guys to step up, and that sort of the, the need to get talent uh, or additional talent in there at that position is made all the more apparent uh, by, you know, four star or former four star receiver, Joffrey Brown, entering the transfer portal. So now there's a spot open, you know, or even more of an onus to get a wide receiver in this class, not only from a talent perspective, but from a body's perspective. And I think that'll be something. That is sold uh, to Andre Green moving forward. Um, as I mentioned earlier, really just three teams, primarily at least in my, you know, view, uh, in as North Carolina, Clemson, and Georgia uh north carolina he has already officially visited i believe he's been to georgia as well so really the only one of those three to still get an official visit would be clemson uh really when you look at all three schools clemson does have that last official visit but their offense so far in 2021 has not been spectacular to say the least they have had their issues at multiple positions including wide receiver not unlike the tar heels Um, And and when you look at the sort of makeup of the wide receiver room that they have currently, as I mentioned in the past, um, they have a lot of guys that are 6'3", 6'4", and up, Um, and that's not to say that, you know, just because Andre Green Jr. is, you know, about 6'3", that that excludes him, but they have a lot of these taller receivers. Uh, that that's not really something, at least in my opinion, that they need that's going to make them better in the future. Will that factor in his decision? I don't
1: know. That's really just something that I noticed uh, they have a lot of these taller receivers mm-hmm. and that's not really helping them, at least in twenty twenty one at this time, because they don't have quite that level of speed they had on the inside in the past with a hunter Renfro. Um, yep. Another team to mention there, Georgia. Obviously, they've already had their official visit. They're having a spectacular season, ranked number one so far,
0: obviously doing well in recruiting. They do every year, and I think that success on the field, at least to some extent, uh, is sort of a, a part in their favor for Andre Green Jr. Um, however, their offense has not been asked to do much so far in 2021. They are playing their backup quarterback through most of their games in Stetson Bennett the 4th. Um, so they're they're really not having to pass that much. They do have a lot of wide receivers injured, so there's not really a display of this overwhelming dynamic offense for Georgia that would that would really be a selling point for them to go alongside that number one ranking right now. And then last and least, of course, uh, you get to last but not least, I should say, you get to North Carolina. They have had their official visit. But there could be, of course, an unofficial visit sometime later in the season. Um, obviously, North Carolina has been involved here for a good while, and then, as we mentioned, the same as Zach Rice, you have multiple players within the state of Virginia, as well as some of these North Carolina guys, and as well that are going to be peer recruiters that are that are going to be involved there and say, you know, look at what we're what we're building in North Carolina. Look at this thing that we're all coming together to try to create. And elevate this program and make this program a consistent uh, contender not only in their conference but at the national level and that could be something that really resonates with Andre moving forward in terms of what we're kind of seeing with his recruitment he will have that official to Clemson we'll see what happens there and then besides that not likely that he'll have many other many other free weekends with his high school football schedule. So we'll be a recruitment to watch. But just in terms of you know where the Tar Heels board stands at this point, um, Andre Green is really one of the only names remaining, uh, if not the only name, if you're really looking for big time players. Uh, so there will be a lot of focus here, not only by the staff but by the commits, uh, to really continue to recruit. Audrey Green Jr and potentially add him to the class the same way they did with Zach Rice here today.
2: Yeah, I you know, Clemson Clemson's interesting because I feel like he he was very excited by that offer. For sure, it was very evident when they pretty much when they offered most people jumped them right to the top of the list. They said, "Well, Carolina's been the longtime leader, but Clemson now might be the team to beat." Um, that's sort of been backed off a little bit, and I think it's in part because of what you said. I think that has become pretty evident to a lot of people that the struggles this year for Clemson are in large part because they don't have the guys in the slot that they've had in the past. That's the area that they need to find somebody in this recruiting class because they don't even have that receiver currently in this class. So I mean clear you know you would imagine they're probably gonna go into the transfer portal and find that player. But that's an area where they're probably going to try to put their focus, and that may end up taking up one of those scholarships. They're another school that, in years past, they are very strategic about how they give out scholarships, who they offer or who they host for visits, and who they end up allowing to commit. They like smaller classes. They always have. And that will... That, that, that could be one of the big factors here is Are they saving one of their spots at the wide receiver group for Andre Green Jr.? Or is that something that they are now looking and saying, hey, we need to give that to a smaller, shiftier receiver that we can play in the slot because we're currently lacking that guy? I think George is very interesting because... I mean, look, defensively, that's the best team in the country right now, and it's not even close. But I do think that they are still a team that looks like, at times, they could have some struggles offensively if they went up against a defense that could hold their own against them. Um, and I feel like that's something that he may take into account. But he's a guy that seems pretty closely tied to a lot of these guys that Carolina has already landed in this class. He's been on campus multiple times with those guys and right now the state of Virginia is buzzing about what's going on at North Carolina so yeah, I definitely think that Carolina has a really good shot here I don't think that the struggles that Carolina has had so far this year uh, at the wide receiver position particularly on the outside where they would play Andre Green Jr. is hurting that either because it's probably showing him that hey Carolina kind of needs you and there's a chance that you could come in and earn some pretty significant reps early especially a few early enrolls so I definitely think that that is going to play a factor um, it, it, like you said it's one of the things that a lot of people are looking for is is he going to take that official visit to Clemson a lot of people believe that he eventually will and if he does I think there will be a lot of people that will be um, you know, somewhat concerned from a Tar Heel perspective about uh, the fact that he is going there to take that official visit and that that means he's still, you know, Trying to do everything he can to get to Clemson, but it's a wait and see thing at this point. I think you know most Toriel fans should p- feel pretty confident in what this staff has done uh, with this class overall, but particularly in the state of Virginia, as we talked about a little while ago. So I definitely think that uh, this is one that Toriel fans should still feel pretty confident about going forward. Outside of him, I mean, look, he's at this point. I think Carolina's. Uh, most obvious uh, big target. I-, I think that's the guy that now uh, goes to the top of a lot of people's boards and outside of him, I think it really comes down to a few committed prospects and then one uncommitted prospect uh, that, you know, really we haven't heard a ton about. So when it comes to the committed prospects, Carolina hosted two committed prospects for the game this past weekend against Miami. That was Jake Pope, who you guys remember, uh, he is currently committed to Alabama. Carolina was recruiting him very heavily at the safety spot. That was someone that Jay Bateman liked a lot thought he would fit his scheme very very well um and, and of course he plays in, in Georgia which is inside of that Tario recruiting footprint um Alabama was a team that you know kind of uh you know got jumped in and and, and started really pushing for him late and got a ton of momentum and when he ended up uh, announcing that he was going to commit that was the place where most people thought he would end up but that was a recruitment that a lot of people felt uh, uh, even you know the moments after he committed might not have been over just yet, and it seems like it's it's not quite done. Carolina's flipped commitments from Alabama before. It is true they did beat uh, beat out Alabama for, of course, Rah-Rah Dilworth. That was just a straight out um, win on the recruiting trail, and then they did flip Drake May from Alabama uh, in the past class as well. But that's a name to keep an eye on, Will Hardy, who comes uh, you know, from the state of Georgia as well, Greater, Greater Atlanta Christian School, which you probably should remember that from Trey Morrison, that's where he played his high school football at. He is committed to Virginia, Carolina hosted him as well, that's another guy that Carolina uh, offered back in the summer, um, they've been in contact with him uh, for a little bit now, and it seems like they're at least having some sort of impact on him, and he is at at least considering uh, flipping his commitment at some point to Carolina. So both of those guys are are the two main ones on the radar. Um, And and, and I I think then after that, you move on to uh, the tight end spot and Benji Gosnell. Of course, his brother, uh, Stephen Gosnell, currently uh, a wide receiver uh, for the Tar Heels this season. Um, And he's a guy that, you know, he clearly has the family connection to Carolina. Um, Carolina was recruiting him for a while as well. They offered him pretty much around the same time that they offered his brother, so they've been recruiting him for a while. He, of course, was at one time committed to Ohio State, backed off that commitment late in the summer, and is now currently um, you know going around and, and taking some visits. Virginia Tech's the favorite for him, still is, but I do find it interesting that Virginia Tech's been a favorite for him um, for a while now it's been the last couple of months and he still hasn't made a commitment there so you kind of wonder if you know he's looking at that situation that's going on there a lot of people feel like Justin Fuente is kind of solidly back on the hot seat now of course the win to open the season against Carolina unfortunately uh kind of backed him off that hot seat but now it feels like a lot of people are starting to push towards him maybe being gone at the end of the season, and you wonder if that is starting to play a factor with Benji Gaznel. If it does, it feels like Carolina is that team that's going to be able to take advantage of because a couple of months ago, uh, or maybe not a couple of months ago, but about a month ago, uh, it, there, there was an article that was written that said Carolina... Uh, was the only team outside of Virginia Tech that right now most people felt had a credible shot to land his commitment. Basically, it was down to two. So, Carolina's still hanging around in that recruitment. And we'll have to wait and see if Carolina can... and land any of those guys. When you look at that trio, Zach, what do you think about that grouping? And do you think that Carolina could maybe pluck any of those three? Um, you know, when it, when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, I think all three of those are certainly possibilities, and I'll sort of go in order with each uh, first one that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Jake Pope uh, is currently committed to Alabama, but obviously is a guy, number one, that North Carolina has been recruiting for a long time um, and has continued to recruit. But also a guy that's not been afraid to take visits as we saw i mean he took a you know ton of visits to georgia uh, earlier in the season so not really afraid to go out on the road mm-hmm. uh, do we see him at north carolina again maybe maybe not i can't say necessarily but you know he's a guy that is not a hundred percent locked in in any capacity and I, I think when you look at also that um alabama's still recruiting his position there is potential for them to still add other defensive backs uh, and Safeties in particular in the 2022 class, there could be options for him. You know that, that really pushes him to to move on, regardless, just from a from a numbers perspective. And that's that's a position that you know North Carolina doesn't have as many options at in the 2022 class. Really, you just have Marcus Allen at this point yep. to potentially play safety, um, if not cornerback potentially as well. So. More options there so I, I think that's one to continue to watch definitely really until you know Penn hits paper in the early signing period for a signature that's one that I would be watching uh, Will Hardy uh, another name that you mentioned I, I kind of have a hard time getting information on him he's more of a quiet kid uh, one that has been really sort of adamant about respecting his commitment to UPA and really sort of respecting that staff has been sort of hesitant to visit uh, but did get down this past weekend to see the Tar Heels beat the Miami Hurricanes. So, you know, that'll that'll definitely be a factor. Um, I don't know what's going to happen there. Obviously, that's going to be one of the guys that they continue to recruit. Uh, But that's hard for me to really say out of of this trio. I probably, you know, pin him as the least likely at this point, just based on that lack of information. And then Benji Gossamil, like you mentioned, um, obviously has a brother on the team, has that connection. Um, has been considered a Virginia Tech lean for a while. Um, but uh, as you mentioned, Virginia Tech's not having the best of seasons, even with that went over the Tar Heels in the first week. Justin Puente is sort of seen as being on the hot seat and um, they do have, you know, some some games left obviously that are not going to be automatic wins, so uh, hard to really say where that's going to go, but that is definitely a factor that's probably leading to him staying uncommitted for the time being and seeing sort of what happens there and then you know, where, number one, do the Tar Heels push? What is their level of interest? Uh, because we don't really have a lot of solid information other than the family connection as to what level of interest they have. And then also positionally, obviously, list it as a tight end, that's a position where the, you know, the Tar Heels are gonna continue, to have depth uh, in the coming years, but you know, has also been billed by some staff as a potential um, outside or inside linebacker, so that's an option as well. Um, those are areas that are also gonna have guys, so maybe it's a situation where you just take him as you know a best available athlete and figure out what's the best spot for him and where he can contribute, I can't say 100%, but that is one to definitely watch. And I, I think just the family connection in and of itself makes this recruitment one that could, you know, flip at a moment's notice in Carolina's favor. So I I think that there are chances with all all three of those guys that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Another one, maybe not to really, if you have a board, not to put on the board at this time, but just to keep an eye on another guy that visited campus this past weekend. Uh, Four-star safety out of Virginia in Clemson met Sherrod Koval. Now, Mm -hmm. from information that he's provided since then, uh, did sort of inform the Clemson staff, because they are strictly no visits. He did sort of inform them that this was not a recruiting visit per se, uh, but just one, you know, uh, as a social event among Virginia recruits and Virginia kids. Maybe that's true, maybe it's not. Uh, it's hard to say, of course, yeah. and, you know, as we've stated, Clemson's not having the best season, even though their defense is good, too. That could just be another name to watch. And then, as always, um, I think specifically with the defensive back position, um, I, I think that Carolina is going to look for, you know, some of these late bloomers guys that really yeah. sort of blossom at the end of their high school season, as well as the transfer portal moving forward, not just that defensive back, but other, other positions. I think when you look at, um, you know, as we mentioned before, you've had guys enter the transfer portal this past week, that's, you know, obviously something that you don't necessarily want to see, but that's part of Mm -hmm. college football in 2021, whether you like it or not, guys are on the move, either, you know, leaving your team or coming to your team. So it's really something that Matt Brown has used. Uh, well so far, it's sparingly obviously got Ty Chandler this past uh, off season, who's been the leading running back for the Tar Heels. Uh, but, but I think it's a, a factor that the Tar Heels are going to continue to use moving forward as they sort of continue to push themselves into that ACC contender space. And personally, I'd like to see it used a little bit more. Uh, the the standard so far has really just been that they're, you know, not uh, going to take a guy unless he's going to be a, a likely starter. I'd like to see them take maybe a few depth guys, mm-hmm. uh, just at those positions. Historically, even, dating back to Larry Fedora, uh, the Tar Heels have not used their full 85 scholarship allotment. Um, I, I really can't remember a time where I've seen those full eighty-five scholarships used. Now, in some instances, they've given some of those to walk-ons, and that is something that is important, of course. But uh, you, you would like to see just a little bit, or just maybe a few more. Uh, whether those be you know other kids that are offered or you know guys in the transfer portal looking for a home, just that they're given opportunities, if, if not to start, then just to build that depth. Um, just because you know it, it's football, guys get injured you want to continue to have depth and to have bodies there. Uh, that helps you not only on Saturdays in the game, but that helps you in practice as well. So, that, that's something that I think that the Tar Heels will continue uh, to really sort of mine that transfer portal and mine those late stage evaluations moving forward.
2: Yeah, it's something they've done, you know, a lot of over the past couple of years in terms of, you know, finding some of those, those late gems um, in the recruiting class, primarily at at the defensive back position, and I think that's a good call. I mean, look, just a, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, we heard that they were talking to a guy that's committed to Southern Cal in uh, Jaden Gold. So they're doing their homework back there. And as you mentioned, Sherrod Koval was on campus this past weekend. Look, I mean, you can believe whatever you want. If a guy is going to campus for a game, clearly that is—I mean—that's some sort of recruiting visit. He may try to pass it off as it's not. It's just a social event. But here's the thing is you got to remember that as we talked about, there are four of the top six guys in the state of Virginia that are committed to Carolina. Actually, four of the top eight. Excuse me. Got that one wrong. Uh, Four of the top eight guys in the state of Virginia committed to Carolina. All of those guys were there. So you're talking about you know multiple guys that are committed. Clearly, they're talking about, hey man, I know you're committed to Clemson, but man, wouldn't it be awesome if you were to switch your commitment and play here? We could really build something together as you know the Virginia boys go into UNC. So I definitely think that that's something that's been passed around. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, they will t- probably try to find somebody in the defensive backfield. That's been something Trey Bly has done in each. His first two years there. Try to find somebody that's a late bloomer to add in February, and I also think wide receiver could be one of those spots. But I do think that that's a spot where they could also look in the transfer portal, and I think they would be uh, it would be worth their while. and And I'm with you. I think if they look at a guy and they see him as playing some sort of rotational role. I think you've got to seriously consider those types of guys moving forward, for sure. Um, I. Think there is no way they do not take somebody a wide receiver in this uh, in in this transfer portal cycle. I think that there are going to be enough guys out there, and I think that Carolina's offense has enough pull. Um, there are a lot of people that I think would want to play in this offense, especially with the type of success that we've seen, uh, you know, from guys like Deami Brown and Daz Newsome and now Josh Downs. So there are going to be guys that are going to want to play in this offense. I think that's an area where they could look. I think that Carolina, in the defensive backfield, primarily at safety, could potentially take a look there. And I think on the offensive line, Carolina's got to take a look there, especially at center. That's a spot where Carolina has not really recruited all that well. Like In general, the offensive line has been the one position group where they haven't really killed it over the past few years, um, even early on under Mac Brown. They've been solid, but not... I as good as they've been at some of the other positions. Center has been an area where they have really struggled. Right now, you've got a guy that's a former walk-on in Kieran Johnson who's starting there. And look, I mean, the past couple of weeks, he's done a solid job. But you are probably going to need to find somebody there that can take you to that next level. Because one, there is no guarantee that Kieran Johnson is going to be back or Brian Anderson is going to be back. We saw that they then had to move Caden Baker to center. Um, He's a guy that was originally an offensive tackle prospect. Believe it or not, he actually played tight end in high school. So he's a guy that is definitely not familiar with playing that spot. So, You would like to find a veteran at that position moving forward. That's an area that I think Mac Brown is going to realize we need to sort of loosen up our mindset on that, and we've got to be able to bring some guys in that can help us going forward, because I think he looks at the way that this team has played so far this year and knows that they've got to be better moving forward, because the timeline is ultimately uh, not uh, the, the longest for him, with him being in his 70s. So, that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank uh, Zach for uh, being flexible. Uh, I know you, you were out there working tonight, man, but uh, hey, thanks for finding some time and being able uh, to talk about this extremely exciting commitment and a little bit unexpected commitment from Zach Rice.
0: Absolutely. Always fun to talk about uh, Tar Heel recruiting. Always fun to see what's going on with the team and how they're getting better every day. As always,
2: it's a good day to be in Tar Heel. That's right, man. And hey, guys, make sure you go over check out all the stuff on the website. We've got the Zach Rice commitment article. We break him down even more in depth than we did here on the podcast. So make sure that you guys go ahead and check that out. We're going to have you know a, 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 you know a little bit of time here with this break, this bye week in the middle of the season here uh, to be able to go through and give you a look at where Carolina can go on the recruiting trail next. We'll talk about all those guys that we just talked about um, you know there's also you know some position groups that may end up receiving some of those late offers we may also tell you about some of those uh, going forward and maybe some of the guys that uh, are starting to climb some of the recruiting rankings some of the hot names especially in state so uh, keep an eye out for that as well in terms of the recruiting stuff coming up on the website in terms of the game stuff, still got you covered. Carolina's four and three, turning to the a difficult back half of the schedule, but they'll try to turn it around. Uh, and it'll start with the game against Notre Dame. We'll have the preview for you ahead of that October 30th matchup, and then of course we'll have the recap and the stock report for you going forward, and that'll continue throughout the rest of the year, all the way until Carolina uh, plays their final game, whether that's the game against NC State or if Carolina plays in a bowl game to close. The season, we'll have you covered on those fronts. Uh, of course, and you know, we do have mid-season grades coming out this weekend. Make sure that you guys keep an eye out for those. Um, and you know, this this will probably be the uh, most difficult year to grade uh, some of these position groups, as opposed to the last couple of years where it's been rather positive. This year, not quite as positive, but we're still going to give you those position grades, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll try to be as fair as we possibly can on those. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Um, hoping that can come out on Saturday but that may be something that I end up having to push to Sunday um, uh, either way it'll be up one of those two days so make sure that you are keeping an eye out for that uh, podcast side of things uh, still rolling on the uh, previews and recaps still doing those separately for you guys we have the mid-season edition of the podcast that is coming up as well so make sure that you guys keep an eye out for that um, And you know, it, the best way to uh, be able to listen to all these editions of the podcast if you are a listener is to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast whether that is on Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts iHeartRadio Spotify any of those major ones make sure if you're listening to the podcast you are subscribed so that when a new episode comes out it goes right into your podcast library. Uh, lastly I want to encourage you guys to check out the Facebook page Heel Tough Blog on Facebook uh, that has everything that you need on there all you got to do is like the page, and it'll allow you to get notifications when we put up live videos. Um, it'll allow you to get notifications uh, when we premiere a video like we're going to do with this version. Um, all that kind of stuff, it'll be on there along with the articles, the audio editions, of the podcast. All that great stuff is in that one central location. And then on Twitter, you can follow us as well at Blog for me uh, or for the, uh, for the official page for me at HTB Anthony for Zach at Hack two, and then for Josh, it is at HTB Josh. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Once again, want to thank Zach Hubber for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels.